This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and you're going to learn that you are in charge in episode number 95. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And this week, we are going to jump right into things. We are going to talk about induction. One in four women are induced in most modern countries. Many, I would even say most, for no reason. Uh, It's very common to feel pressured by your care providers. And really, it is super common to feel pressured by your friends and your family and even the little baby development apps that you have on your phone. They're like, 40 weeks, your baby's here, hooray! And you're all like, uh, no. And there's no signs of labor whatsoever. It's just there's pressure everywhere. Uh, We have made 40 weeks literally an idol. 40 weeks is like the god of pregnancy. And I'm going to talk a few things about induction and avoiding induction But what I want to talk about before we get into that is something that I hinted at in the intro to this episode. I believe the thing that bothers me the most about induction is not that care providers are pushing induction at such high rates. It's not that even home birth midwives are being super flippant with herbal inductions and things like that. It's not necessarily the induction crisis. What I guess you could say literally angers me is hearing a mom say they wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't let me go past XYZ point. Or another one that I hear is they took him or they took her. I those things just rub me so very wrong and they're so prevalent. So prevalent. I want you to understand that you are the one in charge. This is your pregnancy. It is your baby. They can't do anything without your permission. And you don't need their permission to be pregnant with your child. The attitude of care providers and and again, even family members even friends, towards pregnant women is so patronizing, so condescending. It's like because you're pregnant with a baby, somehow you're no more than a baby. Some of this stems from the the paradigm which is so common in medical childbirth that the entire dichotomy of a pregnancy is that there's a mother and a baby and they're enemies. They're fundamentally against each other. It's mom versus baby. And we have to save the mother from the baby and we have to save the baby from the mother. That's totally messed up, y'all. But that's the fundamental place where a lot of obstetrics is coming from, sadly enough. And so when you have these enemies... um, you know, maybe that makes room 
for this whole mentality that we have to, you know, we have to march in and be the knight in shining armor and protect the mom from this horribly dangerous invader that's taking over her body and this innocent baby from this horribly dangerous mother's body that's trying to destroy it kind of thing. And, and we end up, you know, we just end up with this really twisted perspective of what pregnancy is, what the relationship between the people and the pregnancy are, and the people are mom and baby, okay? This is not for doctor's convenience. This is not for grandma's convenience. It's just, think about it. Think about it, y'all. And and a doctor is not some sovereign or, again, some knight in shining armor who's running in at the perfect right time to save the day. I'll tell you that induction is not safe. An induction is not a safe procedure for mom and baby, so there's really no surprise when a mom has an induction and all of these life-saving measures are needed. This There's a mental disconnect in modern society where we say, Oh my gosh, my baby would have died if... And I say this forcefully because I want you to understand it, but at the same time, I want to say it, I guess, tenderly and compassionately because... There may be a lot of you listening who were totally taken by this lie. Totally taken by this lie. Which is, oh my gosh, if they hadn't been there, my baby and I would have died. You hear that almost as much as you hear a mom say, they wouldn't let, you know, they wouldn't let me go past 40 weeks in one day. They wouldn't let me go past 39 weeks in six days. Or, oh, they took my baby. They took him. They took her. Um, you hear that almost as much. My baby and I would have died. I would have been dead. My baby would have been dead. You hear that a lot. And it's often said with, uh, with vitriol, with rancor. The reality is, in many situations, the very interventions and routine things that were done to mom and baby so fundamentally screwed up the birthing process that they created the very interventions that you and your baby, or the very complications that you and your baby then needed to be saved from. I know that's hard to hear. But it's true. It's really true. And sometimes I actually think that it even goes back a lot farther than labor and birth. For instance, the mm, this is a rated G podcast, so I can't say what I was about to say. But I feel very passionately about this. Uh, the really, really, really poor nutrition advice that's given to pregnant women uh, is destroying the health of our mothers, of our babies, of our placentas, of our uteri. It's totally, totally ruining things and messing all those things up. Um, and so even before a mom and a baby get to birth, they've already been compromised Already, obstetricians have, and even some midwives, many midwives, have created self-fulfilling prophecies. Oh, you know, all of these interventions and all of this monitoring and stuff is absolutely essential because otherwise mom and baby are both going to die. It, it, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you, uh, if you take this woman who lives in a relatively affluent country, which almost all of us listening to this podcast do, and have adequate access to nutrition, to clean water, to rest, all of that stuff, even if it's hard, even if it's hard, it can still be done even on a low budget and all of that stuff. Um, 
you know, we still have all these women uh, who we're taking and, 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 and they're being starved and their babies are being starved. Their placentas are being starved. Their blood supplies are being constricted. Basically, it's just compromise after compromise after compromise, all in the name of this is medical management and this is what it says and we want to keep these moms from getting too fat and, and this, that, and the other and that all ends up backfiring horribly. But that's really, you know, that's a soapbox that I probably shouldn't stay on too long because I do want to move on. But but, but basically, I, I want to let you know that an, an induction is not safe. It's stressful for the baby. Uh, pit to distress is something that real doctors really do and it's really scary. Um, induction is painful for the mom. Babies who are induced are more likely to need ICU care. A cesarean is more likely. The baby has a greater chance of being born prematurely. Uh, and it totally subverts and undermines the hormonal s system of birth, which is a system that's meant to work. And especially in our modern day and age, when we can get clean water, when we can get rest, when we can get nutrition, when we can get all those things to moms and babies, if we could get all those things to them and then leave them alone to let birth work the way that it was designed to work, we would see rapid drops in infant and maternal mortality instead of the insidious and disturbing increase that we're seeing in those rates. See, the solution isn't more intervention. The solution is, hey, we've improved sanitation and nutrition. Now let's let birth work the way that it was meant to with those additional bonuses of just cleaning up the base level of human life and quality of life. I think that we would be really surprised. But, you know, I'm just a podcaster. I just run a website on natural birth. I'm just a nut. What do I know? You know, I've only spent the last 15 years of my life reading about this stuff and studying it. What do I know? So we'll move on from there. But I hope that maybe that'll give you some food for thought. And, and most of all, I want you to realize that you are sovereign in this birth. You are sovereign in this pregnancy. You know what's best for your baby. Intuitively, I fully believe that a woman who is fully informed and intelligent will make the best choice for her baby. Sometimes that won't be the best choice for her because she'll realize my baby needs this intervention that I didn't need. But often, and again, we go back to that little model of mom versus baby being total bunk. Um, the mother baby, which is kind of what the midwifery model of care looks at, is a much healthier model. And usually you intuitively know what your baby needs. And when you don't have somebody fear-mongering and using scare tactics to terrify you into a procedure like induction, you have a really good feeling of, of the way things are going. How's your baby moving? Are you doing a kick count every day? Have you been... That, I, I think that kick counts... I, I, I used to think kick counts were totally bogus and baloney. But I've come to feel that kick counts are a good thing. And I think that it's a good thing to do starting from like, you know, 28, 29 weeks, right around the third trimester. Because it gives you a time every day to really be in tune with your baby. And often we intuitively pick that up, even when we're really busy. But sometimes when we are really busy, we don't pay as much attention. But if we have that time consciously every day when we're doing that little kick count, or maybe it's a, it's a pregnancy meditation or, or, or something that you're doing every day, a pregnancy relaxation. And so you're really paying attention to your baby's movements and you know your baby's pattern. Basically, that's essentially empowering you to tap into that intuitive intuitive knowledge that you have of your baby, that awareness that you have of your baby. And then when you're later on in pregnancy and you might be feeling some pressure, you can ask yourself, 
you know, how do I feel about this? How's my baby doing? And you really know because you've you've taught yourself to be in tune with that throughout your pregnancy. In mama baby birthing classes, one of the things that I really talk about is conditioning yourself throughout pregnancy uh, with the skills that you'll need, with the relaxation skills you'll need, with the awareness that you need. Because when you do that, all of those things come naturally to you during birth. And I talk about that a lot in the class. If you're interested in that, check it out at mamababybirthing.com. M-A-M-A babybirthing.com. That's my full childbirth class series. You also get a weekly Q&A with me live on the phone so that you can ask all your questions and all of that good stuff. It's a fantastic series. Lots of mommies and babies have had great births after taking it. But but basically, this is kind of similar to what I teach in that, in that it's day-to-day developing that awareness, gaining that awareness, cultivating that awareness, cultivating that intuition. I think I'm one of like the least intuitive people ever, y'all. I always get my baby's like sex wrong and everything like that when I'm guessing. But... Uh, But, you know, I can still cultivate this awareness of my baby. And if I can do it, you can do it. If I can do it with my busy life, you can do it with yours. And then, again, you're able to ask that question. How's my baby doing? How am I doing? How am I feeling? If this person were not here trying to scare me into an induction, how would I be feeling? What would I be doing? That's your choice. That's your thought. This is your pregnancy. Now, if you look at all the evidence and feel like an induction is a good idea, we'll go ahead with the induction. I'm not going to tell you no. But I firmly believe that most moms, when they were really tuning into themselves and their babies, when they really thought about it, would end up saying, you know what? I'm really tired of being pregnant. I feel like I'm roughly the size of a barge. But... I know that there's important stuff going on for my baby right now. I know that if it was my baby's time to be born, my baby would be being born right now. A lot of moms feel that way. Most moms feel that way. And most moms don't want an induction. And if you weren't feeling that pressure, if you weren't getting those scare tactics, it might be a lot easier for you to say, you know what, no. And I want you to think about it honestly If this person were not trying to bully me into an induction right now, would I be going, you know, please give me an induction. I think my baby's going to die. Chances are, no, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. Don't let people bully you into inductions. Don't let them say things that discourage you. Don't let them do things that discourage you. One thing that you'll find if you're on mama baby birthing calls is we often end up coming around to the subject of vaginal exams. And I am pretty anti-vaginal exam myself. Um... And I think that they're all on the whole discouraging for women and they take away from your ability to listen to your body. Uh, and uh, I just think that they're crummy. But that's one of the things that they'll use as a weapon. Oh, you know, you're really not very uh, far along. Your body must not be doing anything. Again, that's total baloney. You could be closed up as tight as a little clam. And you could have your baby in your arms tonight. You know, this actually happened to me. You could be at three centimeters and two hours later have your baby in your arms. It happens. You could be at six centimeters and walk around pregnant for two more weeks. Again, it's just don't let them scare you. Don't let them bully you. Don't let them intimidate you. I would not describe myself as a rabid feminist, but I am definitely, definitely in favor of women standing up for their birthing rights It's so important because a birth that has been undermined is not only dangerous for you and your baby, but it also has a lifelong impact. It has a lifelong impact on your baby from the imprinting that he or she receives, 
from the good bacteria that he or she does or does not receive. And it also has a huge lifelong impact on you. Most women brush it off and move along when they have a disturbing or even a traumatic birth experience. But research shows that those things echo throughout our entire lives. They echo just like things like sexual assault and abuse can echo throughout your entire life. And I really and truly feel like a lot of what is perpetrated uh, against women in the delivery room, even in the prenatal clinic, constitutes abuse. It's trauma. And that echoes throughout our entire life. It impacts our ability to mother. It impacts our confidence as a mother. And how can it possibly benefit your child to have something that so shakes you to the, to the very foundation? How can that possibly be beneficial to our children? You know, that's just what I don't get. Um, and I talked about this a little bit on the, on the last podcast episode, this, this mom versus baby kind of dichotomy that's out there and so prevalent. Oh, you're just being selfish because you don't want to be induced. You're only thinking about your birth plans and not the baby. You're not thinking about your baby's safety. If you were thinking about the baby, you'd be lining up for them to shove the Pitocin in you. That's totally wrong. That's totally wrong. How in the world can we think that totally undermining the natural process of birth and everything that's supposed to happen there is healthier for babies. How can we think that undermining the hormones that are protective of both mom and baby, that help both mom and baby to bond? And of course, you can overcome that. People can overcome that and do. We could do a podcast episode on how to heal and overcome. It's an important thing to talk about. But why? Why should we sacrifice mothers and babies on the altar of... uh, of this ridiculous medical righteousness notion of we're sacrificing everything for the good of the baby. That's an idol that needs to be torn down and ground up and stomped into the ground. We need to think about the fact that what is best for mom is almost always best for baby. And giving a mom an empowered start and giving mom and baby a natural, physiological, uninterrupted start is what is good for mom and baby. And those repercussions, having a more confident mom, a mom who looks positively on her birth experience, on her body and what she did, that that echoes forward into her life. That echoes forward into your life. It impacts your level of confidence as a mom for years to come possibly. And again, no guilt if this didn't happen. We can do a podcast on healing, on rebuilding that confidence. But why undermine it in the first place? Why do that? Why let somebody else undermine it? And really, maybe that sounds like a bullying thing. Maybe I should be all like, you know, doctors don't undermine it. And surely I would give them a tongue wagon if I could. But the reality is, is you have to stand up for you. Because when you and 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 me start to stand up for our birthrights, they have to listen. It starts with us. It's a grassroots thing. So don't let somebody say they wouldn't let me go past 39 weeks and 6 days. They wouldn't let me go to 41 weeks. They wouldn't let me go to 41 and a half weeks or whatever. That's not true. That's not true. You make the call. You make the decision. If you want an, I've got this class on induction. You can check it out at naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash shop. And I've got a handout with the class uh, about 
the what the different studies say about induction and going overdue and going post-dates, blah de blah blah I've got an article, too, called Going Overdue, What Does It Mean For You? Um, I would definitely recommend you check out the class because I'm obviously not going to be able to talk about tons since I've spent half this podcast ranting now. But, uh, but you know, I can send you the studies, you know, the study links, even if you, even if you can't afford the class. Um, but, you know, the, it's very inexpensive hour-long class where we talk about induction, we talk about the safety of induction, we talk about the reality of induction, we talk about what, what due dates really mean. I talk about in depth what post-dates mean. I talk about the 100% myth of placental aging. Um, we talk about all of that in the class. And then, of course, we talk about proactive measures that you can take to make sure that labor begins at an optimal time. Uh, so we talk about, you know, we talk about the what you need to form the conviction that your body really knows what it's doing and also so that you can be totally informed about all this stuff that they're going to use to try and scare the baby out of you uh but but also we we talk about a lot of practical things and we also talk about some trendy things right now big babies are trendy things super trendy reason to induce right now is low amniotic fluid now next year that might not be the trend i'm sure they'll have invented something else but right now low amniotic fluid is where it's at that's why they wouldn't let me go. That's why they took him. That's why they took her. Well, let me tell y'all, I can tell you how to, how to, how to help that low amniotic fluid. And, and it's not by taking the baby out. But anyways, I mean, sometimes I, I don't want to sound too flippant. I want you to know that sometimes there are legitimate reasons to induce. And I agree with some other midwives out there that sometimes if it's really that big of an emergency where it's really life-threatening, maybe induction isn't legitimate. Maybe that's a time when an emergency cesarean is needed. And if you ask your doctor, is this dangerous enough that my baby's life is in immediate danger? Why are we inducing instead of doing a cesarean? And they say, oh, well, you know, it's not quite that dangerous. Then say, then it's probably not dangerous enough for, uh, for me to stay pregnant you know, or for me to need an induction. Really, really, if it's that imminently devastatingly dangerous, they're going to be prepping you for an operating theater, not an induction. Induction is impatience. Induction is misinformation. Induction is a desire for control uh, that maybe they're not meant to have over the birth process. But anyways, okay, so when we talk about like, how do we prevent induction? I believe one of the important things is to have information, information, information. And that's one of the things that I really go over in the class. But, um, and, and another thing that we really need to talk about is what is induction? And I truly feel that induction is medical induction. And it's also many of these quote-unquote natural inductions. Um, and induction is not natural. If it was natural, the baby would be coming on his or her own. So a lot of quote-unquote natural induction techniques that are often used very casually, even by midwives, are things like castor oil, the cohoshes, which I feel are dangerous, um, and, uh, and things like doing a membrane sweep. Those things are not benign. And if really, again, if there's indications that there's a medical need, then maybe being at home, which is where a lot of the time those things would happen, maybe being at home isn't the safe place to be. Now, I know that a lot of midwives will try those things because they're in jurisdictions where legally they cannot attend a mom if she goes past X number of days. I am not sure that I feel like trying one of these natural inductions is a safe solution to that. Again, I feel like this that's a political issue. And what that really comes back to is moms 
Because that's where we're going to see the change is when we as moms say, you know what? My baby is going to be born at 42 weeks and two days. I want my midwife there. You should not be able to tell my midwife that she cannot legally attend me because I'm the consumer. I've hired her and I want her there. This is something where we need to stand up for ourselves. It's not something really that I think that our care providers need to be fighting for. Of course, they can join us. But again, when they're fighting, it's an obstetrician versus midwife thing. When we're fighting, it's a human rights thing. It's a, and, and I, again, I'm not a super feminist. I, I also believe that sometimes human rights stuff gets really blown out of proportion. Or rather, I feel like it becomes kind of Robin Hoodie where it's, it's hurt those who we perceive as well off to help those who we perceive as less well off. And, and, and really, I think that that's not right um, either. <laughs> we don't rob one to enrich the other. We, we try and balance. But anyways, you know, I do think that this, what we do to moms and babies is a human rights issue. What we do to women and how we deny women choices is a human rights issue. And that's what it is. When you say the midwife can't attend her because she's 40, 42 weeks and one day, you've denied her her choice. You've denied her her rights. You haven't restricted her to something safer. You've denied her her rights. And that's wrong. Um, so I know that sometimes natural, quote-unquote, natural inductions happen because we're trying to avoid that situation. But again, that's political. And it's not going to be solved by inducing babies before they're ready to come. That only perpetuates the notion that we can control it. That only perpetuates the notion that, oh, that baby should have been born then anyways. What we need to do is stand up for our rights and say, look, some babies aren't ready to come there. Just because they don't fit your narrow window doesn't mean that they don't have the right to have the pregnancy that they need. It's all just, it's just ridiculous. Anyways, I'm ranting a lot, but let's talk a little bit. So what, what really helps, um, you know, what really helps our bodies get started with labor uh, is is feeling relaxed and safe. I mean, we don't really know. Nobody knows. So if anybody tells you they know, they're lying. But nobody knows exactly how the moment of, of labor beginning is decided for any given mom or baby. But we know one thing that, or we know things that are really important. So we know that hormones are super important to that process and to switching that on and to having that going the way that it's supposed to be going. So we know that hormones are super important. Um, we know that that when a mom feels safe and comfortable and happy, the calm and connection hormones are what are flowing. That's the opposite of the fight or flight hormones. Oxytocin is the primary hormone in that situation. And that's what we really want moms to be at the end of your pregnancy. I mean, or at the end of their pregnancy. And that's where I want you to be at the end of your pregnancy. I want that oxytocin to be flowing because when you've got that opposite reaction, that fight or flight, it's more likely to stop labor. And then when think about it, when you when you're getting pressured by your friends and family, when you're getting pressured by your care providers, what's happening? You're feeling stressed. That's uh, that's like the antithesis of what you want. It's totally counterintuitive that when we want women to give birth, we pressure them and terrify them. Their bodies are saying, whoa, this is scary. This is terrifying. This is not a safe place to have a baby. So again, we want to, 
we want to make sure that we're nurturing that hormonal response. So what do you do? Enjoy the end of your pregnancy. What I talked about before with the kick counts, uh, you know, take that time every day to just enjoy your baby, to be with your baby, to think about your baby, to imagine your baby. Imagine holding your baby, full baby clothes, full diapers, eat good food, watch Oh, feel-good movies, read feel-good books, those sorts of things. Just enjoy. Enjoy these last days. Maybe go out to dinner or take a stroll outside or do something. Um, my Scott and I went, he, he needed to go to the hardware store yesterday, which is like five minutes away from us in a little village. And uh, I asked him, would he be willing to drop some books off at the library and pick up some lettuce at the grocery store? And he said, sure. And then he asked, well, would you like to come with me? And... I said, sure, because I was at a place where I could do that. And one of the benefits of having teenage kids is that we can kind of pop out for a few minutes here and there. So we did that. We, we drove by the, or we ran by the hardware store, dropped books off at the library. Then we went to the grocery store and we actually decided to get like a little lunch from the deli, which is not healthy, but it was fun. And then we took that. We live um, in, in our little village. There's a lake, which is what our village is named after. And so we actually drove back from the grocery store and sat at the little picnic table beside the lake because the weather was beautiful and ate our little lunch and had an impromptu date and uh and then yesterday evening after we put the kids to bed we watched the series finale to a series that we had really been looking forward to seeing the end of that was definitely a nice feel-good series and so like yesterday was just the most oxytocin inducing feel-good day that I have had in such a long time it was so healing for me after a couple of really stressful weeks and I just I felt like a princess so pampered and that feeling is what I want for you at the end of your pregnancy I I know it's a little harder because you definitely don't feel like you're delicately gliding around like a princess uh, I've been there seven times I understand that end of the end of the pregnancy feeling especially when you're having discomfort and you just can't get comfortable and and all of that but but you can take the time make the time to enjoy to have you know just feel good about those days as much as you can. Do whatever you can. It may not look anything like what my ideal day would look like, but try and make those days look like what they look like for you. And maybe put your phone in airplane mode for a while if people are bothering you. Just, you know, tune them out. That is going to go a long way to letting your body do what it needs to do when it needs to do it. Of course, all throughout your pregnancy, if you eat really well, that goes a really long way. That's always my number one answer for everything, ladies, if you haven't figured that out yet. If you ask Kristen's advice on any pregnancy or birth issue, the first thing she's probably going to say is eat well. But then I usually say other things too. But eating well, um, it, it does go a long way. Again, I touched on this in the last episode because I was talking about building a baby's immune system and I just talked about how important eating well was to, to having an optimally nourished baby and placenta. And, and that's very true. And also having an optimally nourished uterus. Um, when the uterus is well nourished and primed to do what it's supposed to do, it's more likely to be able to do it when it should. Listen to relaxing music. I mean, just take walks. Take long walks in nature. Not necessarily with the purpose of, I'm going to get labor going. I'm going to walk it into starting. 
But again, just to relax, to connect, to think about your baby. I walked, um, I snowshoed really up until 38 weeks with Sadie. And then I walked. Uh, but even, even before the snowshoes were necessary, like I would walk and just, I loved those walks because I kind of focused on Sadie and she, she always uh, got kind of active at a particular point in the walk. And I just loved that. It was wonderful. So do that. Read great birth stories. That's another thing to do. Um, you know, listen to your baby with the fetoscope. Feel where your baby is. Just feel connected to your baby. Work on things for your baby. Those are all things that are really going to help. Um, one thing that I think can help is is thinking about baby positioning. Not getting neurotic about it, but think about the positioning of your baby. Getting your baby into a good position. And then if you know your baby's in a pretty good position, then doing things like walking up and down stairs doing squats and those sort of things can help your baby really settle in and engage in a good position, which I believe is beneficial for helping labor get started. But but really, I think that the biggest thing that you're going to do to get labor to start optimally is to have a well-nourished pregnancy and to get that Get that oxytocin and those positive hormones flowing. Get to where you're feeling relaxed and ready. Get to where you're feeling safe. Because it's that relaxed, safe environment that lets your body know, okay, if baby's ready, we're ready. And that is like the antithesis of what we get with uh with stressful pressure to induce. So again, I don't want to I don't want this to get too long. I go into a lot of detail in the class uh, on avoiding induction. Again, you can get that naturalbirthandbabycare.com/shop. It's in the shop now, naturalbirthandbabycare.com/shop. But really, I guess I think the gist of what I want you to take away from this podcast is that you are in charge. You have the power this is this is your show, and I want you to nourish yourself and your baby. I want you to be tuned into your baby. If you really feel like there's a medical ind- indication for an induction, then go ahead and get the induction. But I think that most of the time, it's not there. Most of the time, it's fear and pressure. And, and, and I want to encourage us to take it back. One mom, one baby at a time, or maybe one mom and two babies, if you've got two in there. But, you know... One mama baby at a time. We need to stand up and say, you know what? This is my pregnancy and my baby. I feel good about this. We're going to monitor. And don't let them pressure you. I had a, I had a student who they were, you know, they were making her come in every day for non-stress tests because she was like 41 weeks pregnant. And, and that was so stressful to her. Don't let them bully you into that either. You know, one or two a week, maybe you consent to, but basically, you know, monitor me, let me do kick counts, let me feel my baby, let me enjoy the end of my pregnancy and and leave me alone. You know, leave me alone. Let me be. We need moms and babies or mama babies who are willing to say that, who are willing to stand up for themselves. All right, ladies. With that, please, if you've got a minute, leave a ranking for me in iTunes or Stitcher or in in the Google Play Music because we've got the podcast in there, Google Play Music, and I'd love to get some rankings and some ratings, especially if you've got a couple minutes, leave a comment. That really helps. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you'd like to hear. Let me know what I can improve on. I always love feedback, even constructive feedback. Um, And remember, when you leave a ranking and a rating, 
other families can find the podcast. And one of the ways that we make this difference happen, that we help mama babies, uh, is by getting more mamas and babies, mamas, daddies and babies, listening so that we know what we need to do. All right, with that, y'all have a blessed week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.